Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Matthew 28, verse 18. This is, we've been speaking on the red letters. And, uh, you know, as we, we take a look at, at the red letters of words that Jesus spoke and the things that Jesus felt were important enough to share, these were the final words Jesus gave to his disciples before he ascends, before he leaves. The final words of any person are the most important words that anyone's going to give because they don't have time to, uh, to, to go over other things. When someone's on their deathbed, ladies, if you would stand up in the back there, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. And so the, the thing I want you to understand is that when, any, when anyone's on the verge of, of passing away, they always share the most important information. My daughter, when she was breathing her last breath, she wasn't talking about her toys. She wasn't talking about uh, Disneyland. She was talking, her last words was, Mama, I love you. Daddy, I love you. But you don't, they're not asking for their portfolios. The most important thing, and these are the last words Jesus speaks before he ascends. And Jesus came and told his disciples, he says, I have been given all authority in heaven and in earth. How much authority is all? If, if you have all the pie, how much do I have? He says, all authority in heaven and earth I have. He goes, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. Someone needs to hear this this morning. I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Bow your heads as we pray this morning. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to share with you four words that are very important. By the way, that revived shirt looks very good on you. Okay? Everyone say go. Go. Make. Make. Baptize. Baptize. And teach. teach. Go. Go. Make. Make. Baptize. Baptize teach. These are the things that Jesus spoke right before he leaves. So the first thing I want to talk to you about is therefore go. He says therefore, therefore is there as a therefore. We got to ask whenever you see a therefore in the word of God or in any statement, you have to ask what it's there for. It is that word therefore is grabbing a truth from a previous statement and about to take the next statement and pull it together. And what Jesus is saying, I have all authority. All authority has been given to me. And what I love about Jesus is Jesus is the greatest hero maker that's out there. All authority was given to him. And so instead of Jesus taking this authority and just continuing to shine on his own, he says this, it's all mine. Now I'm giving it to you. I'm going to make you, I want you to do even greater things than me. How many fathers are in the house right now? As fathers, one thing that we want, we want our kids not just to succeed. We want them to do better than us. We want them to excel. We want them to go beyond. We want them to reach higher. And what I love about Jesus is Jesus has all authority and he doesn't hold on to it. He gives it. You will never reach higher until you learn to give what you have. 
say it again, Pastor. Until you learn to share what God's given to you, and I'm not talking money. I'm talking influence. I'm talking friends. I'm talking connections. I'm talking information. I'm talking knowledge. I'm talking revelation. I'm talking hope that until you have the ability to take what God's given to you and impart it to other people, you will never find yourself operating from a place of wealth and riches. Jesus shared. He gave. And he gave the authority that belonged to him. He gives it to others. Whatever you hold on to, you lose. Whatever you impart, multiplies. Do, do, do you understand this? That God never intended us to add. He intended us to multiply. Many of you are operating in your marriages, in your families, through a addition anointing. When God's called you to a multiplication anointing. And you're struggling to add two plus two. But when you get to the point where the spirit of God comes and you learn the, the, the principle of giving, of sharing, of taking what God gave you and empowering other people, you step into a spirit of multiplication. That's why in one service, Paul can, or the apostle Peter can speak a message and 3,000 people get saved. Amen. Then you read the book of Acts where daily people were being added to the church, those that were getting saved. Because there's a multiplication anointing. That's why Jesus could take two fish and five loaves and feed 15,000 people. That's why you're complaining about your two fish and five bread. Instead of giving your two fish, five. Jesus, what he did, he took it. What do we got? Have everyone sit down in groups of 50. Let's manage the problem. And then what do we have? Let's see our resources. Now let's bless it. Let's thank God for what he gave us. Instead of complaining about the need and my resource, let's thank God for what he gave me. And so Jesus thanks the Father, then he breaks it, and he gives it. He doesn't eat it, he gives it to the disciples. Then he tells them, now you go and give it to the people. I want you to understand, when you learn how to give and to share and be thankful for what God's given to you, you're going to begin to step into a multiplication that what you had will go so much farther on, on when you share it than when you hoard it. Amen. I, I don't know if you're getting that. He says, go, everyone say go. So he gives us his command. Go means God has given us a direction. And he's, what he's saying is this. I didn't die for you to stay. Now, I'm prophesying to someone right now. You don't even know it. I didn't die on the cross so you could stay where you're at. I want you to go. I want you to go out of your depression. I want to go, go out of your addiction. I want you to go from, your, from, from your, your place of status quo. I want you to go to another place. I'm telling you right now, I want you to progress. I want you to move on from the pain. I want you to move on from the hurt. I want you to move on. A new era has begun in your life. I'm going to take you into new territory. The disciples only knew Israel. They never went beyond that. Why? Because they were called to the people of Israel. Many of you, you have your tribe. You have your group and you're afraid to go beyond those areas. I'm here to tell you, God's about to break down your walls. He's about to expand. Your influence is going to go farther than you ever expected. Everyone say go. go. That, means word, that word in the Greek means to go, to travel, to depart. Now, 
we think about going to something. But when God says go, you can't go to something without leaving something. Go. God's not just calling you to destiny. He's pulling you out of despair. But, but you're hanging out in despair and you don't want to go nowhere. And his first word is go. Go. God can't make you go. He, he did everything that needed to be done for you to accomplish victory. And he gives you one, go. If you would just go, take a step of faith. Step out of your despair towards your destiny. And he tells him to go. This word go means to order one's life, to journey, to walk a certain path. In order to go, you have to leave something or leave someone. You can't go somewhere without leaving something. And there comes a point in our lives that we got to let go of certain things when we want to attain something else. You see, Jesus is inviting you to go on a journey, a lifestyle. And it's one thing to leave something, but it's another to move on to what your next is. Right now, don't, don't judge. Don't judge your destiny based on your current location. Many of you are so upset about your current location... But that's not, you know, driving to Disneyland on I-5? And you pass, once you pass Harris Ranch, even driving through Harris Ranch, I'm sorry, sweetheart. That place stinks. And then once you, get, once you get past there, there's nothing. And then you'll find a little town here and then... Nothing. Then you find a little town here and then nothing. If you judge Disneyland based on I-5, past Kettleman City, past Harris Ranch, you're going to think Disney sucks. But you can't judge your destination based on your current location. And some of you are judging where you're at right now and you're saying it's not worth it. I don't like what I'm going through because you have lost sight of where it is that God has taken you. Everyone say go. But see, I need you to understand until you understand go, you're not going to understand your red dot moment. See, many of you are driving around, but you, haven't, you don't have a red dot moment in your life. How many of you have ever used Google Maps? And the moment you set your destination, what do you find? Direction. You find a red dot. And that red dot tells you where you're going. But then it'll also calibrate and a blue dot will show up on that map. What's the blue dot represent? Where you're at. And so Google has the ability to figure out where you're at and tell you what the right path is to get towards your destination. I need you to understand that the Holy Spirit is your GPS. He's already determined before you were born the destiny for your life. God's already established it. And what I love about God, you cannot jack up the destiny that God has for your life. You make a wrong turn, 
Google will recalibrate you. But God has the same ability to recalibrate when you get off track in your marriage, get off track in your finances, get off track in your health. Whatever it is, God can recalibrate you and get you back to your destination. Somebody say amen. Everyone shout go. So my question to you this morning is where are you going? What must you leave behind? So you, you want to go somewhere, but you don't want to leave nothing. You, you want to get to Cancun, but you don't want to get on the plane. Y'all want to get to Hawaii? You following me? You, you got to take a journey to get to the destination. You got to leave something. You got to leave something. Therefore, go and. Thank you, Chaplain John. Go and. Not only does he clap once, but he nails it. Go and make. Next thing Jesus tells us to do is make disciples. That, that tells me disciples are made, not born. There's a process. You're sitting here thinking, I'll never get close to God. I got too much junk in my life. I've gone through too many things. There's no way that I'll ever become everything God intended me to be. Disciples are made. They're not born. You're not born a disciple. You are taught. You are formed. You are challenged. You are developed. You are created to become that follower of God. And I need you to understand that when we talk about a disciple, to to make a disciple, to be a disciple... Discipleship is the priority of a Christian's life. It's not coming to church. It's being a disciple, a learner, a pupil. We got got a lot of people that that are part of the WFG movement. They're doing great work in helping people prepare for financially. But one of the things I notice is that you guys are great disciplers. You disciple people in the way of the business. They they teach individuals. They they prepare them. And, And if you don't come... Well, I'm not making any money. Well, you haven't followed the program. It's like a mechanic that doesn't go to school, doesn't learn how to become a mechanic, complaining that no one's bringing them their car. There's a process to being made. Follow me. I'm going to take you somewhere, okay? The goal for the pupil was do what the teacher did. Mentor, mentee. Teacher, disciple. Notice what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, get them to join your church. As a pastor, that's hard to say. Don't get them to join your denomination. Don't get them to say a prayer. Don't even get them to dress or act a certain way. He says, make disciples. See, there are many kind of disciples that are out there. There, 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 were, there were many disciples. There were disciples of John the Baptist. There were disciples of other teachers. There were disciples of other religious leaders. Jesus says, I, I want you to make disciples of mine. I want you to make people that will act like me, talk like me, speak like me, walk like me, do things the way I would do them. Jesus was never moved by fans. 
Jesus never checked his, his Instagram to see how many followers he had. He didn't check his Facebook to see how many people are liking my comment. He doesn't see how many Facebook friends that he had. He wasn't moved by fans. He was moved by followers. Jesus never wanted you to become a fan of him. I love the things Jesus said. I, I met with the man this week that told me I, Jesus was a great man. No, he was more than a great man. He was the son of the living God. Came down to earth in the form of a man. Died on the cross. Rose again on the third day for you and I. Why? Because he loved us. Jesus says, I want you to follow me. I'm not talking about Twitter. You've seen this picture. I tell you, I want you to follow me. I'm not talking about Twitter. I mean in real life. I want you to follow me. And that's what we consider following these days. We don't know what it is to be a true disciple. See, a true encounter with God has to change your life. I could take you through a list of people through the word of God that when they had an encounter with God, they were totally different people. No, no, no. I'm not saying they were somewhat changed. They were totally transformed. Jacob, Moses, Isaiah, Paul, with all the disciples. These are the same dudes that ran out on Jesus while he was being crucified. Only one of the 12 was there at the cross when Jesus died. All the other ones ran away. But then they had another encounter with God in the upper room on the book, in the book of Acts, that totally transformed their lives, where every one of the disciples died a martyr's death. Peter crucified upside down. Bartholomew peeled alive. Uh, Doubting Thomas was shot by arrows and stone. How do these men that were so afraid that they were going to be killed now stand up and boldly proclaim who Jesus is? What was it? They became disciples. The point of being a disciple was to be like the teacher. It's about duplication. Stay with me, folks. I'm about to close, but you got to... Let me ask you my second question, okay? Based on your lifestyle, what would people think Jesus is? Not your interpretation, but based on your lifestyle, if people were to look, if every Christian was like you, what would the straight state of Christianity be? Wait a minute, Pastor Dan, you just had me laughing a little while ago. Let's go back to those. Not like these questions getting a little personal here. You know, I, I'm just, I'm, faith is just part of who I am. No, no, faith is the foundation of everything you are. Everything starts with your faith. If every Christian was like you, what would the state of Christianity be like? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone say baptize. Uh, I'm about to close, so stay with me. In fact, help me out there a little, little bit, bro. Come on, man. Is that a 49er thing? Bro? Come on, bro. You know, we talk about being a disciple, man. I love this word baptize because this word baptize, it literally means to dip or to immerse. It means to submerge, to plunge, to soak, to flood. And we joke around whenever we're doing baptisms at the church for some individuals, we're going to just keep you down there a little longer, make sure it takes. 
But baptism was a common ritual that many students did. It was a public declaration. And so baptism isn't, isn't uh, exclusive to Christianity. It was something that in the, the Jewish days, there were many teachers that would take their disciples, their students, and they would be baptized publicly to say that I'm following this teacher. So when Jesus goes and has his disciples, he tells them to be baptized, they are making a public declaration of an inward work. When we baptize people, we are making a public declaration that I'm dying to my old life when I go underwater and I'm coming and raising out of death into resurrection with Christ when I come out of the water. And my old life is washed away and I'm stepping into a new thing. See, it, baptism doesn't save you. If you're a sinner and you don't, you're, you're living a, a jacked up life before, you go into the water, a sinner, you're going to come out a wet sinner. Water's not going to change you. It's not going to transform you. But you're, it's, it's just a, an act that you're, you're obeying what Jesus said. He says, they publicly announce their commitment to the teachings and the lifestyle of their teacher. See, God never intended you to be sprinkled, splashed, or dripped, dipped in his presence. And too many of us are, are pulling that, that, that uh, you know, summertime. And you're, some of you are going to do this when you get home. For those that have pools or apartments, you're going to get to the water. And right when you get close to the water... Put your toe right in there to see, how's the water? (laughs) You're sweating. It's hot. You know it's going to be refreshing, but. And we see it in church all the time with people who are going through things, that are battling through things, and you know that that water will be refreshing. You know that the presence of God can transform a marriage, a family. It can break addiction. It can heal a body. It can restore your mind. And yet what do we do when we get close to the presence? God never intended us for, for us to dip ourselves or, or to, but he expected you to dive in. Stop sprinkling in the presence of God. Stop dabbling in the presence of God. Stop just putting your toe in. Jump in. Submerge yourself. He said, baptize yourself. Not just an act of baptism, but submerge yourself in my presence. Oh, come on, somebody. There's some of y'all afraid to get wet, you toe dippers. Afraid to go all in, you toe dipper. Afraid to get submerged, you toe. I don't want to get my hair wet. I don't, I don't want to go to church and start worshiping because I'm start crying. My makeup's going to get all over the place. And, you know, my, my weave may fall off. And, you know, I might start getting in the Holy Ghost. I'm afraid that I might, might look funny. You know what? When you are hot, when you need refreshing, you dive in no matter what the situation may be. I need to just jump in today. Some of y'all just need to... You just need to dive in. I love jumpers, man. I love jumpers. Because jumpers go all in. No holding back. They give their all. They're risk takers. They're world changers. They're history makers. So my question to you, 
Are you a toe dipper? Or are you a jumper? Stop dipping your toe, man. You're at the pool for a reason. You came to the water for a reason. You came close for a reason. Why come all the way to the water and just dip a toe? Some of y'all have been at this church for 10 years. And you're still doing this. Some of you are on the first step. I love God. I love my church. Isn't God so good? Don't splash me. I don't... Stop. It's all right if you want to get wet. Don't get me wet, okay? You want God to change your life? I don't need to get all up in that. You know, just... just. Why waste your time? Go. Make. Baptize. I got one more, but we're going to close right now. Bow your heads with me. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash CWC Bay Area.